Welcome to Life-Giving Water Messages, where I expound upon the Word of God and, through the internet, deliver it to you. My name is Reverend Todd Laddick, and today I will be delivering a message entitled Walk and Talk, based off of Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verses 8 through 13, and James, chapter 1, verses 17 through 27. So let us dive into the Word today. Ah, I hear my lover coming. He is leaping over the mountains, bounding over the hills. My lover is like a swift gazelle or a young stag. Look, there he is behind the wall, looking through the window, peering into the room. My lover said to me, Rise up, my darling. Come away with me, my fair one. Look, the winter is past, and the rains are over and gone. The flowers are springing up, the season of singing birds has come, and the cooing of turtle doves fills the air. The fig trees are forming young fruit, and the fragrant grapevines are blossoming. Rise up, my darling, come away with me, my fair one. Amen. And now for James chapter 1, verses 17 through 27. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word, and we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires, so get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives, and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself. You walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourselves, and your religion is worthless. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Amen. Faith is not something that is meant to be simply talked about. It is meant to be lived. It is important that while we talk about our faith, we also walk while we talk. Theological school, also known as seminary, was an amazing experience. 
Sure, it was a harrowing experience at times, having your faith deconstructed and hopefully reconstructed. Being lost in endless books and miles of research. Being up all night reading and writing and, of course, trying to balance the rest of life on top of all of that. But truthfully, the theological school was amazing. My eyes were open to so many things. How social justice cannot be abandoned at the cost of social holiness. That Christ calls us to both, not either or, but both and. And with that said, I've also learned that there is a difference between people who, um, or people with the prophetic voice, and people who confused that with shouting loudly at those one perceives as the other. For instance, I, I heard many sermons in seminary about peace, love, social justice, compassion, empathy, and of course the big key word in progressive Christianity, inclusion. Now most of them were powerful, and some of those sermons were even transformational for me. So centered on Christ and the gospel that Christ has called us to preach. The gospel of inclusion, the gospel of hope, healing, and wholeness, the gospel of uh, the, the gospel for the marginalized. Uh, that, that is the gospel Jesus preached. That's the gospel we're called to preach. So, so some of this stuff was really good and, and life-changing. Still, there were some sermons that would enclose themselves in love, and inclusion language, but the preacher totally assumed everyone was of the same partisan position that she or he had, and would proceed to make jokes about the current president or administration at the time, hashtag not cool, and hashtag not Christian from the pulpit. I mean, I'm not saying it's not Christian to have your partisan beliefs. Of course it is. We're humans. We have our beliefs. But to, to preach that from the pulpit as if everybody should share your beliefs, as if you have divine authority as to who the right candidate is, I mean, that's, that's definitely not the place clergy should be in. Speaking from, you know... Uh, Speaking on topics that are, you know, uh, social issues, that are moral issues, that, that Jesus would want us standing up for and fighting for like he did? Absolutely. Absolutely. But yeah, no. I mean, there is no place for partisanship at the pulpit at all. No place for it whatsoever. It's one thing, again, to use the prophetic voice to speak out on issues of justice and morality. It's okay to be politically engaged as preachers and as Christians, but bashing and slandering another child of God is definitely over the line. But let me give you yet another example, one that affected me much more than rogue partisan comments from the pulp. But um, in... January of 2010, I had the amazing opportunity to go to India for a cross-cultural trip requirement for seminary. 
And what an amazing opportunity we had. We visited ashrams, temples, seminaries, churches, and villages. We even got to see the tomb of St. Thomas the Apostle, as well as the spot he was traditionally martyred in. Beyond that, we got to see New Delhi, the Baha'i Temple, shaped like a lotus flower. And, of course, we traveled to Agra to visit the Taj Mahal. I mean, come on. In fact, we were the first class, cross-cultural trip uh, uh, class to actually go see the Taj Mahal, and they've, they've done it since, from what I understand. Um, but this was a bucket list kind of trip, one I had never dreamed of even going on. Finally, at the end of the trip, we found ourselves stranded at the Indira Gandhi International Airport because... Our flight to Munich, which then connected to LaGuardia, got canceled. Now, why, you might ask? Well, some crazed American got his jollies by running into the Munich airport with a backpack screaming he had a bomb. And as you can probably guess, if you don't remember that international incident, he didn't have a bomb. But he did get arrested. But that didn't matter because we didn't have a flight. And we had not any guidance we had no guidance as to what to do some in our group went to speak with folks at the counter and uh, 15 minutes to a half hour later they came back to say they found flights and wished us luck that was it here was here were these progressive folks folks who were big on preaching love and inclusion and turning away folks who seemed to be exclusive which is, ironically, exclusive itself. And they were leaving on a jet plane without the rest of us. Like some of us were even people of color, myself not included, but some of us were. But none of the folks who secured that flight were. No, they were, they were white, privileged people. Thankfully, one of the folks left behind was a man named Gaius, a fellow student at the theological school who was also on this trip. Now, Gaius, he wasn't going for his Master of Divinity, but was studying uh, theology on a more, like, uh, academic level. And um, as it turned out, Gaius happened to be someone with connections. Uh, and again, as it turned out, <laughs> Gaius was an actor who had been on a successful football show called Friday Night Lights as a high school running back star named Brian Smash Williams, among other things. You may have heard of him. And he was able to work it out that they switched our flights to London, where they put us up and flew us to Newark Liberty International, all, of course, at the expense of the airline. I'm sure the latter part would have happened anyway, even if I worked out the deal, um, as this is typical customer service for canceled flights and whatnot. However, he got them to act on us now instead of waiting for hours and hours and hours to get a flight. And we got a flight relatively shortly, uh, maybe within an hour or so, of the other people leaving. The very action, the very action of getting it done inclusively that Gaius took the compassion and empathy he had 
on the group as a whole made me realize the importance of actions over words. Now, my mom had always told me, you know, actions speak louder than words. So I knew that, you know, in my head. And sure, that was a foundation I grew up on. But here I saw it. Here I saw it. Now, I'm not saying that those other people were bad people. In fact, they were really nice people, decent people. But when faced with the stressful situation we were in, they didn't put the group ahead of themselves, even though their actions went against their own beliefs or words. Now, we've all been there, where we were either affected by the weightless, meaningless words of others, or where we didn't back our own words up with actions. We've all been on both sides of that coin. So we ought to know how important it is to back words up with actions. In his letter, James the Just, half-brother of Christ Jesus of Nazareth, tells us the following. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God, our Father, who created all the lights in heaven, in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. In other words, all of the blessings of our lives, from the air we breathe, to the food we eat, to the homes we live in, to our families, to our very own lives, are a gift from God. Now, before we move on from here, I want us to pause and think back to the first scripture reading, which was from Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 13, where the author, most likely writing about his or her lover, prophetically conveys to us God's love for us. Now, the beauty of this prose is that it can be seen in both ways. And through it, we can see how God intended the divine human relationship to be, metaphorically speaking. In this ancient love song, the person awaits his or her lover, and as, as he approaches, he or she can hear their lover say, My lover said to me, Rise up, my darling. Come away with me, my fair one. Look, the winter is past, and the rains are over and gone. The flowers are springing up, and the season of singing birds has come, and the cooing of turtle doves fills the air. The figs are forming young fruit, and the fragrant grapevines are blossoming. Rise up, my darling. Come away with me, my fair one. This passage shows us that God loves us. That God not only loves us, but has called us to come away with him. To receive hope, healing, and wholeness, and to spring into action with God, pun intended. This passage also shows us that God is on the move and... While God might be inviting us to join God for the ride, God is on the move. God is calling us to come along, to join in God's mission in the world, and to take our place in God's kingdom. But if we choose not to, God is still on the move. 
Finally, this passage shows us what our response to God ought to be. The first person character in this poem is awaiting his or her lover with uncontrollable eagerness. In verses 8 and 9, Ah, I hear my lover coming. He is leaping over the mountains, bounding over the hills. My lover is like a swift gazelle or a young stag. Look, there he is behind the wall, looking through the window, peering into the room. Okay. So, this approaching lover is clearly a creepy peeping Tom, but you can feel the excitement, the sheer joy that this person has at the approach of this guy. This is how our response should be at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who thankfully is not a peeping Tom. We should not only be eagerly awaiting, but ready to go at a moment's notice. In James's letter, we are basically getting the same message. However, this time it has more personal urgency put into it. Like, hey guys, you can either be Christians or fools, but not both. Or, hey you, don't know, don't don't you know that the real Christians act, you know, kind of like um, Christ? Maybe is that possible? That is the basic message of our passage in James. And in the letter of James as a whole, but it is founded in the fact that God loves us and as Christians in love with God, we cannot help but come away with God for the ride and join in him, join with him, excuse me, in the work of the kingdom. But James also goes into what does not constitute a person of true faith. And this is important. He stresses it. Anyone who merely reads the Bible or listens to the meaning of the Bible through sermons but does not live what they hear out, then they are fooling themselves, James says. I mean, seriously, how can we have a one-sided, how can we have a one-sided relationship with God? How, and, and by that meaning, how can God be the only one having the relationship? Seriously, think about this. I want you to think about this. We're either in it or we're not. How can God have a one-sided relationship with us? What's more, the person of faith will begin to look more and more like whom they put their faith into. So if you are a person who cannot control your tongue, meaning you are rude, disrespectful, a gossip, or otherwise a disruptor of the peace, your religion is meaningless. That, at least, is James's example, but we all know it doesn't just end with our tongues. Rather, according to James, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress, and refusing to let the world corrupt you. In other words, don't just talk, but walk out your faith. Don't be disingenuous like the world. Don't be selfish like the world. Don't be foolish like the world. Keep it real, folks. Keep it real. You know what I'm saying? Keep it real. 
in what ways has have you put God second, third, fourth, or so far off the map you can't even find God? What things have kept you away from genuine faith? Now you might wonder how you measure that. Well, you can start with your baptismal vows and your membership vows. Are you doing everything you can to support your church? Giving of your time, your talents, your presence, your, your treasures, your prayers, your witness, your service. It is important that you take time to read scripture. Engage it through devotions, Bible study, and worship. And that you reflect on the ways in which you are falling short. Now remember, we are all falling short, right? We all are. I fall short. We all fall short. And Paul reminds us in Romans 3 verse 23, For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Such reflection is not, shouldn't be painful. I know it can be, but such reflection shouldn't be painful. Because it opens you up to the kind of change that the Holy Spirit desires to see in you and in us all. And for those of you who are listening who are in my congregation, and if you're not, you can just ask this of your own congregation. How can we grow? How can we become a church that actively seeks to invite others into a life of genuine faith? How can we be a church of action as opposed to just that place where the people talk a good game but just never show up? We have never been that church, and we are not that church now, and we will never be that church if we keep our eyes and our hearts on Christ, our Lord, our God, and keep our hands and our feet serving him. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, I just thank you and praise you for this challenging message. It challenges me, Lord. Um, it challenged me as I wrote it. It challenges me as I preach it. We are called... We are called to serve you and to serve you faithfully. And Lord, we all put stuff before you. We all do. Help us to remove those things from our lives if we cannot put them second to you. And we pray that, Lord, you bless us so that we may continually be a blessing to others and spread your love and your gospel to others as we do so. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, thank you for tuning in. It's always a pleasure to have you here. I always enjoy bringing you these messages. And, uh, of course, um, as always, check out the episode notes if this is your main uh, spiritual feeding for the week. Uh, well, I hope you will check out our, um, our live stream on Sunday mornings at 1030. You can go to youtube.com uh, forward slash Newton, U as in United, M as in Methodist, and then church newton um church uh, and that will get you to our page and you'll see the live stream every sunday at 10 30 a.m you're welcome to join us and if you do get your main spiritual feeding from us uh, we would love if you could support us uh, the links are in the episode notes if this is supplemental of course 
please support your church. They need it uh, just like we do. And, uh, you know, if you want to support both of us, none of us will complain, I'm sure. So thank you for your support and your faithfulness. But most importantly, thank you for listening. And uh, I look forward to, to joining with you next week. Same time, same place. In the meantime, be blessed so that you may be a blessing to others. Amen. <laughs>